to a very special no cartridge review session. I haven't decided if this is going to be on Patreon or not yet at the time of recording. Uh, so I don't know if it's as I'm thanking my patrons or not. But here's thanks enough. Uh, I'm here with, uh, well, I don't know. I think he's a crowd favorite. He's certainly a favorite of mine. Uh, Mr. Mr. Creel. Hey, what's up? Hey, not, not too much. How are you? Pretty good. Yeah? Um, how's, how's life in beautiful, uh, where you live? Uh, in South Carolina, it's, uh, cold right now. Also, kind of miserable, because I had to watch Mortal Kombat 2 twice. Oh, jeez. Why did you watch Mortal Kombat 2? Uh, for your podcast. <laughs> oh, are you doing, were you doing a bit? Well, I mean, kind of, but we watched Mortal Kombat 1. Oh, yeah. It was... Well, you you watched Annihilation for the podcast too? No, no, no. I just watched Mortal Kombat one twice because I wanted. Oh, to really... oh. <laughs> Sorry. So I, I, you know, I wanted to do my research. I wanted to really grasp the film on all of its aspects, so I watched it twice. Well, yeah, and one of the times we watched it together, and that was the time I watched it. I th- I think that was enjoyable uh, because I didn't have to watch the first forty five minutes at all, and the second forty five minutes rocked. D- yeah, that's. A good review. I mean, I say I watched it twice to really grasp the themes, but I watched it twice because I was just falling asleep both times, like <laughs> on and off watching it. It like it. Uh, so so for before we get started, the what we're doing here is we're talking about the uh, 1995 vehicle, uh, More Combat, the uh, a movie about. And, you know, I was gonna say loosely, but it, it like is literally about the game Mortal Kombat. Um, We'll get into that, but the it's a movie uh, that is very, very true to life of this of the game that was so popular at the time. Um, all your favorites are there, uh, even even Mr. Goro. Um, and we're going to talk about it. Like we 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 sat down and watched it. Uh, I have some I have some like much more. I won't say much more, but I have more complicated feelings about this movie than I thought I would. Yeah, it's a. Uh... I loved it as a kid, and I haven't watched it since then. Uh, when this, it came out in nineteen ninety five, so I probably watched it when I was like seven. Okay. And I haven't watched it since then, and it, it's not very good in the beginning. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it like so, so it should be said like it is not a particularly like excellent film or anything. Um, it's not like. Uh, I would not say it's like appointment viewing or like uh, you need to watch it to like have a sense of what's happened in cinema over the past few years or whatever, um, or the past couple decades, excuse me. Um, but like on the other hand, it's kind of a funny thing because so I know that um, the podcast "How Did This Get Made" covered this uh, covered um, uh, uh, Mortal Kombat and people complained about the coverage about that. How did this get made? I, I remember listening to that one uh, when I still listen to that show. Um, but now they just do live shows all the time and it got irritating. Um, oh, it was funny enough, but like continue. I don't, I don't know anything about podcasts. Oh, no, except no, the no cartridge podcast. The best oh, podcast on the internet. Oh, Please boy. continue about now. I'm blushing and people can tell when I do that. Cause I start cursing a lot. Yes. Um, I start cussing. Uh, no, but thank you. But the, um, yeah, so, 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 uh, it's a, a podcast with, um, with Paul Shear and Jason Manzukis and, um, uh, June Raphael. Uh, so Paul and Jason from, 
uh, the league, and uh, June is a is a comedian, and um, uh, they are all on the Earwolf Network. They're all very rich and famous thanks thanks to the 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 help of of Mr. Scott Ackerman, uh, one of the funniest people on online. Um, but they do they do a thing where they make fun of bad movies, and they did it with Mortal Kombat, and it was a tough episode to listen to because I mean they're all smart people, but like they didn't really know anything about Mortal Kombat. And while they covered Street Fighter as well, the Street Fighter episode was fine because that movie is not about anything. Um, but the Mortal Kombat movie really is about the game. And so when they were complaining about certain stuff, they were like, well, why why does Goro look the way he does? Or like, <laughs> what? who's this reptile thing? Why is he in it and all? And like, there are actually answers to those questions. Like, whether the movie does a good job of giving those answers I, I i don't know um but the answers are there and they all almost all of them have to do with like did you play the game if you did you might have an idea it's like i i was thinking this it it succeeds the parts of the movie that succeed are the ones that are just trying to be the video game the ones that are like actually trying to be a movie are like the worst parts of the movie yeah no that's totally right like the the beginning parts where it's all like exposition and trying to tell it, trying to give us like stakes and stuff are terrible. Yeah, and like backstory. There's like the the worst part about the movie is there's just easily like thirty thirty five minutes of just Raiden just talking about other dimensions and like <laughs> why the tournament's important and he's just talking very quietly. Yeah, and and truly, like they they could not have picked a worse Raiden for this. Um, he's terrible. They, so it's, it's it's the Highlander, Christopher Lambert. You ever watch Highlander? I've never watched Highlander. I'm sorry. That's a rad movie. We should watch that for this podcast. Um, Highlander. Well, no. So this will be this will be my version of you with Mortal Kombat because I loved Highlander as a kid. Oh, so really? yeah, I thought it was like the coolest movie. But I think I only watched it like once or twice with my cousins. But like I, it, it, like you know those movies where like if you watch it at a certain age with the right people it just sears itself into your mind um it's yeah. like one of those but uh but yeah like the um uh christopher lambert probably best known for that uh, other roles as well he is uh raiden in this movie the god of lightning um and participant in the tournament and he sucks like, he's so bad it seems like did he get like the the and credit because doesn't yeah. that mean somebody gets paid? That person got paid a lot. Like that is... I think. I think this guy. I think they basically spent like their budget getting Christopher Lambert. Star- well, not their budget. Excuse me. Their non-special effects budget on getting Christopher Lambert. Because yeah, like he's the just phoning it in the whole movie. It's like... so bad. Like everyone has like a whole kind of thing going on. Like Liu Kang is Amer. It has like an American accent, but it's like it's kind of vaguely established that he's sort of been living in America. Um, maybe abroad. I, we don't know. Um, he everyone left else because he he didn't believe in the tournament anymore. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. he left his he left his home, and like everyone sort of like you, there there are ways to understand why people are acting the way they're acting. Like the like the, the actors themselves clearly have reasons for doing what they're doing. Uh, not always good ones, but <laughs> reasons. Uh, but Christopher Lambert just the whole movie talks in a a low whisper and kind of a New York accent. <laughs> Um, and it's awful. Like, it's just like, there are these like Asian elders, like saying like, Lord Raiden, thank, thank, 
I, I, I humble myself in front of you and Christopher Lambert's like, who's this kid over here? He's not ready. <laughs> <laughs> this kid's crazy. He's <laughs> never going to be able to be in the tournament. Now you're getting it. Now this, when Johnny Cage challenges Goro, he's just in the background. He's like, finally, one of them's about to get it. One of them, one of them's got some hot. Yeah. That's uh, truly crazy. Like he's like an extra out of Rocky or something. Uh, uh and they give him all of the expositional roles. Like it's it's like every every bit of like knowledge you could or whatever want to know about the the tournament, about um, Shang Tsung, about uh, all of the the various reasons people are fighting in Mortal Kombat. Uh, Christopher Lambert whispers into the camera at you or at one of the characters in the in the movie. And like for me, that was this was like the weirdest part because. As a kid, did you ever actually, like, super care about why people were in Mortal Kombat? No. I just, like, thought it was a cool cast of characters. Like, because I played the games before the movie came out. Yeah. And so, like, I just thought it was a cool cast of characters. And I think, like, if you break it down, like, the intro, like, you can see why. Like, you're getting, like, uh, basically, like, Liu Kang's intro. And they kind of, like, introduce the tournament. And then you get Sonya Blade's intro. Or, yeah, you get Sonya Blade's intro, and that's, like, action-packed. There's, like, guns going off and shit. Then there's Johnny Cage, like, comedy sequence after that. And then they're getting on the boat after that. All three of them meet, and then you're like, alright, here we go, Mortal Kombat. And then Raiden's like, hold on, let me talk for 20 minutes on the boat, really quietly, at nighttime. And then you're like, what the fuck? Dude, we know what's going on. They're going to the tournament. Like, it's okay. It's you so don't have to, to raise the stakes higher. Like <laughs> The whole the whole thing is also called So like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like Shang Tsung reveals himself as being as manipulating all three of them to go into the tournament within the first like ten minutes of the movie. It's not a secret. Like yeah. Johnny Cage's mentor tries to get him to go in because people think he's a phony. And you're like, oh, his mentor knows about this tournament. That's weird. And then instead of like teasing that a bit, the the movie's like, oh no no no, the mentor is Shang Tsung in disguise. And he just cha- he transforms, and you're like, oh okay, fine, you're you're Shang Tsung. It's, I get it. Like you literally could just smash cut to the tournament, and it would be fine. Yeah, it didn't even have to be Shang Tsung. It's like, no. it's like it could have just been his like master who he's just trying to pretend to be. Like that would have worked too if he was just like, yo. You, if you really want to prove that you're not a shitty movie star, you should go to this tournament. Like, right, exactly. And like, it's that simple. People, I, I was talking to someone about this, and they were. I was talking to someone about this movie, and they were like, "Oh yeah, isn't that like a just an Enter the Dragon ripoff?" And yes, uh, in the same way, like any tournament movie is an Enter the Dragon ripoff. But like, that would have been so much better if it was. <laughs> like, yeah, like what? Who cares if it's a ripoff? Because the game is a ripoff. Right, of, like fighting kung fu movies, so like, just rip off a rip off. It's okay because the fight choreography in the movie is good. Like we were talking about this the whole time, um, and also the director Paul W S Anderson doesn't seem to know that the fight choreography is good. Yeah, um, he sucks so much in this movie. Um, not only will he not get to the fights, which is extremely frustrating, but every time there's a fight, it is. Um, slowed down in slow motion as much as humanly possible and it cuts every two seconds like you you can't even like see a full punch or anything during the movie because he keeps cutting and it's like 
dude, they're like doing like a cool fight thing. Like, just hold on a second. I want to see him punch this guy. Like, <laughs> I think nah, probably dude. the most technically impressive fight is, uh, for me, was when uh, it was Liu Kang's first fight against some nameless guy. Oh, with the poles? Yeah. Yeah, that's like my favorite so part good. of the movie, I think. Yeah, I think my that too. was my favorite part. Like, that fight scene is really good. Apparently that a guy he was fighting is also a stuntman. Yeah, because we haven't gone into that. I guess we'll go into that later. But, like, Robin Shu, the guy who plays Liu Kang, is, like, a stuntman who now just primarily works as a fight choreographer and stuff. And he choreographed the fights in this movie, too, yeah. uh, if IMDb, IMDb is to be believed. And, like, they're great. Like, they're really fun to watch. And they they do what good fights do in films. Like, they give a sense of um, character development. They give a kind of overall sense of like uh uh stakes and and who the characters are and why they're fighting the way they are um and and they're fun to watch and like this is one of those movies that like I don't know if I've ever really felt this way about a movie but like honestly if you fired all the writers and the director and just had some like guy set up a handy cam and walk away and just had fights take place in front of it and release that as like 90 minutes of fights um it would have improved the movie 100 percent i should just like act like i'm a kung fu expert in like kung fu movies and be like, you should uh, uh, jackie chan should have directed it <laughs> it should have been jet lee movie but my two <laughs> kung fu actors i know now i know robin shu though i'm a big robin shu fan now you're a huge robin shu head yeah i've become a shoe head as they call him uh on the internet the, the Robin Shoe fan fans fanboys and fangirls and everything in between. Um, everybody <laughs> loves Robin Shoe out there. He does great fight choreography. Great actor. No, he's really cr- incredible. In he actually movie. is great in this movie. Like he's like <laughs> you, you you like you started you started saying it like where where you were like um where you were like man you got to watch this movie like Luke the guy who plays Luke Kang is so good and I. Uh, I had watched like the first ten minutes again, and I think I I think I recognized him, and then it was like, oh, um, all right, yeah, I, I guess. And as the movie goes on, you were totally right. Like he is actually like an extremely charming character to watch. Um, also, his friendship with Johnny Cage for the movie is extremely good. Like, yeah, they have incredible chemistry. Yeah, exactly. The like the whole movie is basically their story, and they yeah. keep trying to shoehorn like Sonya Blade and Shang Tsung in and it, it and Raiden in and it's just like it feels like the director of Mortal Kombat and the writers of Mortal Kombat were given all of these like wonderful plot lines and they were or they're like not not wonderful plot lines but like they were that that's going a little far but they were given like a pretty solid arc like a pretty solid hook and they were just like yeah let's let's let's, let's not do that though let's like definitely ignore that yeah, well, they give the, they're given like so many storylines. Like, cause I, I was saying before, cause we wa- I watched it and then we watched it together like the next day. Um, yeah. When I when we first watched it, I was like, I watched all of the intro cutscenes for each character from the first Mortal Kombat arcade cabinet, and it is literally one to one. All of the backstories in those opening cutscenes, they literally just copy pasted them into the screenplay. So good. Like, and that's what I love about this movie. <laughs> like, it doesn't try to do anything different. It's just literally the video game. Like, 
Except for, you know, like, Liu Kang's brother and shit like that. There's, like, added-on stuff. And all the added-on stuff is bad. Yeah, Liu Kang's brother's plotline is really, really bad. That's, like, the only thing that works, kind of, in a way. It actually makes... I think they added that into the game. It's later. Like, the canon later. That he had a brother that was killed by Shang Tsung. Oh, is that right? Okay. I guess that makes sense. Like, it... Yeah, it's, it's just... like such a good adaption that the, the movie has like effects on the video game canon. Now don't don't like hold me against like I, I I don't know jack shit about Mortal Kombat lore or canon. So, but I know that like Shang Tsung's look is inspired by Shang Tsung in the movie now. Yeah, and I mean it's definitely like the guy who plays Shang Tsung too is another uh, another guy who is like, primarily known for, for his fighting, like, being a good fighter, being a good sort of, like, stunt guy. Not stunt guy, but, like, known for being a fighter foremost, a first and an actor second. Um, and he's great, too. Like, I think I think it just, like, the actual fighting in this movie and the actual sort of, like, approach to, you know, aesthetic within, like, the actual battles is really fun. Um and no one seems like it, it seems like everyone involved with making the movie could completely care less about that except <laughs> obviously aside from the fighters right like the director the writer uh Christopher Lambert all these people are like yeah okay fine like uh, great you're all good fighters who cares uh let's get to the cool part which is more exposition about outworld i doubt the writer had anything to make, do with any decisions <laughs> That's a good point. He, he right? probably like wrote the script like just copy pasting shit from the game and then like handed it off and then probably uh Paul W. S. Anderson like just changed shit around, most likely. That's, That's probably it right. seems like it seems like that kind of movie. Yeah, no, you're right. Like uh Paul W. S. Anderson's uh uh other film that he did after this, um you said he did it after after the Event Horizon was after this, right? Oh yeah, Event Horizon's yeah. like his best it's like the only good movie he ever did. Yeah, he did after this movie, and he got to do it because he made this movie. <laughs> I mean, he, you could argue that that one probably had some like serious uh, additions by the writer. Like, I, I would say like the writers probably had something to do with that movie. Did uh, he? Uh, he might have written Event Horizon. Really? I, I could be wrong though. It was like a passion project. Huh? Let me look. No, I'm wrong. It was written by Philip Eisner. Yeah. Okay. It's the only thing he's known for writing. That movie's good. And then he makes another more garbage after that. What an incredible career Paul W.S. Anderson has had. <laughs> let's go back to Robin Shue. Yeah, the greatest actor Robin Shue, man. Of all time. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to start a campaign where I, I was watching him in this movie, and he's not a great actor, per se. I don't think he can play like a character. But no. him playing himself is just it's great. He's wonderful to watch on screen. He's charismatic. And I think that you should cast him as somebody's dad or stepdad in a movie. Do you yeah. think that we have the power to resurrect his career? I think I think so. I think we've got to bring back Robin Shue. And he's going to be just as big as Keanu Reeves, if not bigger. He might yeah, like, even be nicer than Keanu Reeves. Whoa, Keanu Reeves is like known to be nice. But there's know. one key difference is... Keanu Reeves has a whispery, gravelly voice, and Robin Shue has a very bright and friendly voice that mm. attracts people of all ages to him. 
Fair enough. I mean, I can't imagine not being charmed by Robin Shu. He is, and and honestly, again, like Johnny Cage and Robin, or John, I don't know who plays Johnny Cage off the top of my head, but which is funny because we've been talking about Robin Shu so much over the past few days that I, of course, know him. Um, Lyndon the, Ashby. Yeah, Johnny Ashby. Cage. Ashby's great. Like he's he's fantastic, and like the one of the things about him is he he is like. I don't know, like, he makes Johnny Cage, like, so likable. Um, and he, like, I, I, I've never found Johnny Cage to be a very enjoyable character. Like, you know, he's, yeah. he's kind of like the, you know, whatever, like, not Ken, but, like, I don't know, well, like, the so, sort of, he, like, sub-Ryu or something like he's that. He's very one note in the games. He's just a cocky asshole in the games. Like, there's no, like, redeeming qualities about Johnny Cage in the games. It's just... Right, but in the in the movie, it's like, Johnny Cage is this dude who is is a, uh, you know, he wants to prove himself. He He's doing his best, but he also has this, like, funny self-deprecating side. He's willing to make a joke. Well, he's, he's, he's supposed funny. to be Jean-Claude Van Damme who disagreed with being in the movie at the last second, so they had to recast the role. Yeah, so why don't you... There, there, were, there were a couple recasts. Can you tell us about those? There were? Well, the one remember. the one you told me about. <gasps> oh, that's they, right. Yeah, Sonya Blade is played by the girl from Billy Madison. I don't know her name. Hold on, I gotta look her up. She's truly... T- as, uh, Pete Sampras's wife. Her last name's Sampras. Bridget Wilson. Sampras. She's now known... As Bridget Lean Wilson Sampras, which is, wow, what a name. It's a great anyway, name. Anyway, she was supposed to be played, Sony Blade was supposed to be played by Cameron Diaz, which <laughs> would have been, like, way better. We're talking about these other two actors, Luke Hang and Johnny Cage, being really good. Sonya Blade is also terrible. Is arguably worse than Raiden. I the- would say she's worse than Raiden. Yeah, she just gets she's... less chance to show it, but, I, I mean, she doesn't have one emotion in the entire, at least Raiden has, like, smug superiority down like christopher lambert clearly yeah. is just like this god this this guy's a god so he's going to be very smug the whole time and i also think it's not his fault because they're like you, we're trying to make the lightning appear in your eyes so don't move that off that don't move that much so <laughs> yeah. like the cgi can go in and get that lightning in your you eyes you have to be extremely still yeah i think that's why like that's a part of the reason but sonya blade has no cgi she just is truly like I mean, if you if you told me one of the parts of the backstory of Sonya Blade was, oh, she's like, uh, she was a uh, like a mannequin come to life, uh, like, <laughs> it's like like a like a weird science sort of thing. I'd be like, yeah, no, of course, that totally makes sense. She's like, she would have to be. She has no emotions. Um, the scene where they're on the fucking boat and her walkie-talkie gets wet and she's like hitting it, she's like barely tapping the side of the walkie-talkie. It's like, can you act? Please, can you just try? Like it's it's you're barely even... tapping the walkie-talkie, just fucking hit it really hard. You're supposed to be making it like you're supposed to be frustrated. It's, it's funny like... that you even recognize. I like I I had such a hard time with that scene because like I had no idea what she was doing. I was like, why does she think her walkie-talkie is going to work? She's like even even if she doesn't know that she has been so like this is after they go to Outworld or Outland, excuse me, um the the place in in every Mortal Kombat game where the fighting happens, um. And, like, they don't totally know, I guess, that they are in out, Outland. They, like, they sort of, uh, they, the, the, the boat kind of goes up into a, 
a vortex or something and they don't quite know what happened. But like even if they didn't know that, you just took a boat ride like at least you know overnight. And it's it to me it seemed like she was like, "Oh, I can't get any service out here." Yeah. <laughs> On like a, well, a, it's like, a walkie-talkie that would last maybe 200, maybe maybe 2 miles. I'm criticizing her hitting the walkie-talkie, but in all honesty, that's the director's fault. Like, if, yeah. what, the, what is what is he fucking doing? She does that take, and he's like, "All right, that's a wrap. We're gonna keep that. It's great." People are definitely gonna know why you're upset. They're do definitely you gonna know like the movie you're making. Like, <laughs> tell her to fucking do that shit again. What are you doing? <laughs> there are like I would imagine outside of the fighting takes, which are I'm sure, uh, fairly, fairly um, extensive in terms of cuts. But I would bet there were not many uh, recuts at all. Um, like this... Recuts? Like reshoots? Oh, I'm sorry, not recuts. Yeah, sorry. Uh, reshoots. No, no, that's probably not. This is the 90s. Everybody You're the movie okay. expert here. Everybody was okay. Everybody was... There's shit tons of money to go around. Everybody, it's just, it, everybody wanted to make movies. It is so funny to watch some of this stuff where it's just like, yeah, okay, fine. Like uh, we'll, we'll, The movie we'll keep... made back like $120 million. Yeah, a very and... successful movie. So again, like I totally get why it would, right? Like it it makes sense that the movie would it makes sense that the movie would would work that way cuz like it it told the the story of the of the game it's just a fun way. Like it was great to watch and like the battles were fun and there was a lot to recommend it. And I could see why people would be like, yeah, actually, I'm going to go see Mortal Kombat. I'm going to tell my friends to go see Mortal Kombat. Um, but, like, the the parts of the movie that, that sucked were just, like, they really, like, sucked the air out of the room. It was yeah, so like, hard as, to enjoy. As much as we hate what the production department did with this movie, like, all the direction and stuff, uh, the best decision this movie made was it's PG-13. Because... The movie's so bad, nobody, like, above 13 years old is going to like the movie. But if you're 13 and you get to watch all this, all the fighting and stuff, it, like... It People getting, like, stabbed rocks. and shit? Yeah, that shit ruled when I was a little kid. People so getting, good. like, stabbed by ice blasts and stuff, getting their soul sucked out. It was like, like watching stu- a rated R movie, but there was no cursing in it. <laughs> right. And all the stuff you pointed out about, like, oh, yeah, like, this part scared me as a kid. Honestly, like, I was like, yeah, I totally get it. I would have been terrified. Like, that would have really screwed me up. Like, we were talking about it, and, like, the thing that scared me the most when I was a kid uh, was um, uh, the dude getting um, spit back up at, by the Anaconda in the movie Anaconda. <laughs> yeah. Like, really, really screwed me up. Is it John Voight or Anthony Hopkins? I think it's John Voight. Yeah. It, it, it's definitely... I don't think they could get... I think they probably wanted Anthony Hopkins. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, like they, the, like that scared me. But the stuff that you pointed out that scared you, like uh, Johnny Cage's friend um, getting, getting his soul sucked out. Yeah, his soul sucked out, and then you actually like you get a like a, a weird freeze frame of his soul getting sucked into into Shang Tsung's eye. Yeah, and he's like, no, his soul's like screaming. That yeah, was disturbing to me when I was really little. Well, and you pointed out like. It's scary enough to think about death and the afterlife, like let alone the idea of having your soul stolen by someone. Yeah, <laughs> like being trapped in somebody's body for eternity—that's oh, fucking terrifying. Terrible. 
so like I mean all that stuff in there really works for like the 13 year old crowd and on some level you know like it's it's become sort of cliche because of the uh, Scorsese stuff but like on some level it would be good if that was still the level of discourse where it was like we need to make 13 year old kids love this instead of like we need to make this a critical hit like this speaks to a kind of movie making where like people are totally okay with having a movie that gets kids into it as opposed to like, okay, we need to do Oscar bait. Well, like, I think uh, it's, Marvel movies. I think it's cause basically threshold entertainment was James Cameron's like, uh, agent or some shit who left James Cameron's company to start his own company and bought the mortal combat rights. And he started a cartoon, a live action TV show and this, movie he funded all of those a live action tv show so yeah supposed to be like a cinematic a cinematic universe years before the marvel stuff but like i think this is paul ws anderson's first movie let me look he did one he did one movie before mortal kombat and so basically like this was supposed to go nowhere this movie it's just supposed to like make back its budget they hired a very new director and like some reason they pulled it out it was like one of the best movies it had a budget of 18 million made 122 million back wow which in 95 is really good that's probably one of the top movies of 95 that's incredible like yeah like that's a a success story that is a real success story i mean that's like that's extremely surprising yeah i think like it it I mean, the second film, someone pointed out, like, it's, it feels like a, uh, feels like it very well could have been a, um, like, just a, la- a money laundering scheme. Like, it's just, it's like. Possibly. I don't it's know. It's like, it truly is, on- like, I think they were joking, but, like, the, the, like, where, where did the budget go? How, like, who, they what, rushed, what is- the budget had 30 million. Yeah, it had more than the first movie, and it looks worse than the first movie. Yeah, someone said it looks like an exploitation film. It looks horrible. Yeah, it's it's uh. So Paul W. S. Anderson didn't return, but his like, I forget who it was, like a cinematographer, his, his protege. <laughs> no, he was like a cinema. Yeah, he was the cinematographer on Mortal Kombat, and so they promoted him to director, and he'd never directed a film before. <laughs> so that's or again. The second- <laughs> yeah or maybe yeah i don't know if that's true he I mean, directed well the butterfly be. effect 2 oh god uh the butterfly almost, effect. almost 10 years later oh he directed annabelle that's fucking weird okay why are you giving him work yes yeah, seriously me. i will be the best director give me seven million dollars <laughs> i mean can you like uh, here, I have a question for you, and, and this is this this is more, I guess, about how funny it is to do a um, butterfly effect too. But can you think about like I can't even imagine um, coming up with that and then telling that guy to direct it and hoping for anything other than direct video, which maybe I mean maybe they were, but like, what's the one scene you remember from any element of the butterfly effect? Uh, I don't. I don't think I ever watched the butterfly. Effect. I didn't either. But there's like one. It's the it's the guy's fat friend crying in jail. I don't. And it was it was the bu- it was one of the bullies from uh, Boy Meets World and like a he looked like a goth. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like that's it. Like that's the movie for me. 
And like I'm imagining asking someone to make a make a sequel to that. Like you know that movie Doesn't, where like all the main characters like die? Like in butterfly effects? So yeah, like the basic premise is like if you change one thing, what would end up happening? And I think like I think it's Ashton Kutcher and he changes one thing and all his friends turn into goths or go to jail or something. It's such a bad idea. But yeah, like like Annihilation is much worse than this movie. And like I think this is one of the things about like Mortal Kombat that the how did this get made thing missed is that like if you're looking at it to try and find some sort of legible plot as like a film qua film uh, you're sunk like you're never gonna get it like it's never gonna work um because it's not really it doesn't work as a movie yeah it's almost like a collection of scenes just like hashed together Um, yeah so like if you think about it as like sort of like a fun kung fu exploitation movie or something like that it's really good. Like, it's really fun outside of the parts where they're trying to make it a real movie. I mean, the best part of the movie is when the tournament starts and there's just a 30-minute sequence of random fights. And it doesn't explain how they get to the environments that they're in. And no like, one would, no one could possibly care less that there's Yeah, no exactly. It doesn't explain it. Nobody cares. And it's, like, the best part of the movie. Cause yeah, it's like, people fighting no one, in random places. No one watching this movie is going to be looking at, like, the Johnny Cage scene. Uh, there's a Johnny Cage fight against Scorpion. Um, and it takes place in the like the petrified the forest. forest. That's right. When we were watching, I said that I was like, "What the? F- where is he? Where is this forest?" Where's yeah, and you, and both of us. Were, you were like, "Where is this forest?" That I was like, "Oh yeah, that's weird. There's no like that doesn't make any sense that there's a forest here." And then we both just completely forgot about it and watched the scene. Yeah, it was one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah. yeah, and like all the stuff in the movie is just like absolutely. I mean, so like a lot of the complaints about Marvel movies are that like they just they focus on this this sense of oh you know why don't we why don't we give people something to remember why don't we give people something not to remember but like to remember from the comics like if they read the comics let's give them some name that'll make them go like yeah. i read that in a comic once um like when the in the first uh christopher nolan batman movie they mentioned thomas zaz and i was like oh it's mr zaz i i read comics <laughs> including him um that's like a really bad reason to like a movie but it it, it like tickles some part of a reptile brain and it makes people go ahead and watch Endgame because it mentions, you know, uh, oh yeah, Thor was a frog one time. We're going to, we're going to reference that in this movie. Um, but like, uh, Mortal Kombat, basically like all of the things you could possibly remember from Mortal Kombat are in there. Like even to the point where they, ha- they got like the same moves, like Sonya Blade's, uh, low kick looks exactly like her low kick. And the, the, the leg throw. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. No, they have that wait, in there. Hold, yeah, no, she. All right, hold on, because this is like my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, do that it. Makes, that makes me laugh. Is that Sonya Blade is like such a non-character because Bridget Wilson is such a terrible actress. So bad. She's actually she's pretty good in Billy Madison. I mean, so she's bad in this. I don't know if she's bad in everything, but yeah, she's she's pretty good in Billy Madison. I gotta say, she's not bad in Billy Madison. She's really go. horrible in this, uh, but. She's, like, going after Kano at the beginning of the movie, and that's her nemesis. She's been going for years after Her Australian nemesis. Yeah, her Australian nemesis. Uh, She's been going for years after him. He killed her partner. And then, like, literally, like, 40 minutes into the movie, they're like, you have to fight Kano in the tournament. And the fight (laughs) lasts, like, 30 seconds because Bridget Wilson can't do kung fu. And, uh... And then, like, he, she has her legs around his neck, and then, like, there's, like, this moment where he's like, no, Sonya Blade, don't do it. 
I'm sorry for all I did. And she's like, okay. And then just breaks his fucking neck. No, no, you missed, a, you missed the laugh line. It's, Sonia, Sonia, give me a break. And she oh, goes, and she says, okay. okay. And then and breaks, then breaks his, neck. his fucking neck. It's and, so good. Okay, it's so weird because you haven't been told anything about her except her backstory. She can't act. So you know nothing about her personality. And that scene is just like, if you're actually paying attention to the movie, you're like, that scene is just like, what the fuck? She's fucking crazy. Sonya Blade she, just, she just straight, straight up, up fucking murdered that guy. Like, without <laughs> even thinking about it. Like, she didn't even hesitate. She just fucking killed him. Like, you, just, you just start thinking, like, I don't know, man. Like, I think maybe Sonya Blade is the bad one here. Like, yeah, exactly. And it's like, there's no scene in the movie where she's like, yeah, he killed my partner. I'm out for revenge or whatever. Yeah, the only like, people who say that he killed her partner is Kano. Yeah, right before he fights her. Yeah, and he's like, I use this knife to kill your... He's like, recognize this knife? And she basically says, no. Because <laughs> when she's spying on him in the movie earlier in the movie, she's like, I'm going to finally get his ass. It's been, like, years. That's the only thing you've heard about their backstory together, besides the fact that she's going after him. So when she just straight up fucking murders him, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> but it's that like, was, like, it... the most horrifying thing in the movie. <laughs> but it's a great... It's, like, a great part in the movie, too, because it's, like... It's the one moment in the movie where it captures, like, what's cool about Mortal Kombat. For, exactly. Like, playing it for the yeah. first time. Yeah. Where, where, like, you get to the end and you're like, oh, I beat the, I beat this. What's this fatality part? And then and then it says, like, fatality. And you're like, oh, I killed that guy. The guy's dead now. Yeah. Um, like, and, and, like, it's ridiculous that in the movie where everyone's like, Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat. And then they're surprised when someone dies. They're like, oh, geez, Mortal Kombat. Oh my God. That's why the rated PG-13 is a fantastic decision, yeah. but an awful decision for the movie itself. It oh, should yeah. Have been, it should have been just gory as shit, like people like punching each other's heads off. And it shit. would have made a lot more sense. Um, but yeah, like like the the moment where Sonya kills Kano and, and like everyone in the audience probably was like, oh, jeez, that was quick. Um, like, shouldn't even hesitate. That's like that's the that's like the the crux of Mortal Kombat to me because then after that it's like every time someone dies you're like well that's what happens at the end of a fight. Yeah, <laughs> like, it totally I mean, it's it's the best environmental storytelling of the whole movie. He's sucking out souls after each fight before that, but yeah, I guess this is like everybody's gonna die because it's Mortal Kombat. The, the one soul he sucks out is like the guy isn't dead. He's just like he lost. Like when Liu Kang beats him, it's just like. Shang Tsung just takes his soul and he just says fatality. <laughs> it's like, I love right, how they dude. say that. <laughs> Hold on, can I be again? You are, you are okay. okay. Um, yeah, I, so... Um, we've talked about acting and the fight scenes, but we forgot one important thing. Oh, I was, I was hoping you'd tell me what I forgot. I felt like I forgot the, something. The art direction is probably the best part of the movie besides the fight choreography the the set designs are pretty cool in my opinion but the problem is they're like lit really terribly most of the time the stuff with the colored lighting is kind of cool and like i don't know there's just all these like handcrafted sets and everything like all this hand carved stuff the practical effects in this movie are really cool like you were telling me, you did a little research on like uh, the the Goro um, uh, animatronic. animatronic, and like I would say the Goro animatronic is extremely cool. Oh, it's like way ahead of its time. 
the, I think so. Like, when I watched it, I was like, that was the most impressive thing to me, was, like, that animatronic looks so good for 1995. Like, it's got, like, full facial, like, expressions and everything. It's the great. arms, The arms look terrible. Apparently it broke down a lot. There was, like, a guy inside there, in the legs. That poor man. Yeah, there was a monitor inside the body that he was watching so he could see. Um, yeah, but it apparently broke down all the time. And, like, it was, he was apparently supposed to be in the movie a lot more. But just like Jaws, <laughs> the animatronic didn't work well. Unlike also Jaws, like Jaws, though, not seeing Goro more made Goro better. I get, yeah, I guess so. I was going to say, unlike Jaws, it kind of made it worse. But I, I guess I kind of see that. No, no, I, I, I agree with you. I was, I was just joking mostly. Like, I think... I think the it would have been much cooler if um, if there was more Goro. I think particularly because like when you first see Goro, you laugh you laugh because it's like, well, this looks ridiculous. And then like because it's a practical effect and not CGI, you're like, oh, this thing is actually occupying the same world as these characters, and it is horrifying. Yeah, and it's like imp- I mean, I guess like somebody who doesn't think about like filmmaking will watch a movie or whatever, like. Which is how you should watch a movie, but like <laughs> you should only watch a movie think... when constantly thinking about how. It yeah, <laughs> so like they probably think that looks like shit. But if you're like into filmmaking, all that Goro stuff is really impressive when you think about it. You're like, whoa! Like they just set up all this animatronic shit, program it to make the fists go certain ways and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's so wild. Like the 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 way that. I don't know, like, I think it's cool that it's, it's like, they make the fist go different ways and it must have been really hard to make. And then I also think it's cool that they made the choice to, like, say, okay, we're going to make Goro look really, really screwed up. Like, Goro, yeah. Goro's going to look horrible. And it's, like, it's a point of because Goro is a terrifying monster. Like, we're going to make Goro into a terrifying monster. Like, there seems to, there's, like, more choice involved in in Goro than any other element of the movie, it feels I like. love... I love when um, uh, you've seen Goro a lot throughout the movie, but when the the John I forget his name because he's barely in the movie and it's it, isn't it's, his name like Artlene? That's it right, sounds, Artlene. It, it sounds so much like Arlene, which is the the strange part about it to me. Where it's they're really, like, I was like, is that guy's name Arlene? Johnny Cage's black friend. Who they're like, see, Johnny Cage is cool. He's got a black friend. Andy Cage is definitely like, not racist. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's like preparing for his fight, and he's doing all this crazy kung fu shit, like by himself, like uh, I guess like demonstration moves and stuff like that. And I was watching those demonstration moves and being like, why isn't this guy in the movie more? Like he can obviously do kung fu. Yeah, he's one uh, of the people who's like is able to do it. Yeah. But as soon as Goro comes out, he's just like, oh my god, what is that? <laughs> yeah, it's basically... And it's just like, you, you've already set Goro up. We already know, like, like what he looks like. We don't have to be shocked about what Goro looks like. They should have, yeah, they should have done him less, because, like, it may be, like, a hint of it at the beginning, because, like, Art Lean has seen Goro before. The the thing I liked about Art Lean's uh, moment of, of seeing Goro was that, like... It was like, oh, this is what it would be like if, like, you had to actually, like, fight Goro. Like, you you know, you know about him yeah. conceptually. You can kind of think about Goro conceptually. And then it's something totally different where you're put in a ring with him. And it's like, okay, he's going to kill you or you kill him. And, like, it's 
that scene is so sad because it's all of his friends being like, hey, you got it, man. You could do it. And he's just getting fucking destroyed the whole movie, it's, the whole scene. It's, it's rough. Well, it's like, and that's the problem why the, the, the they should have just kept it as a tournament. When uh, Johnny Cage and Liu Kang fight Sub-Zero and Scorpion, respectively, it's not like they're at the tournament. They just, like, fight them randomly and other things. So there's no, like, moment of people watching the tournament or whatever being like, oh, man, he's got fucking ice power. Maybe I'm just too inspired by Dragon Ball Z that I'm just imagining. Well, no, like, I mean, like, Dragon Ball Z. Bulma and Oolong yelling on the sidelines, being like, Goku, look out! It's such or a good, like, but that's such a good version of it, though, where, like, everyone notices what's happening. Everyone's like, yeah. oh, man, like, that's got to be bad for our friends that, that that guy has four arms and has super strength. And that's why the end is just falls off. There's oh, like, yeah, for sure. Because you're like, oh, here we go. The tournament's starting up. All right, everybody's fighting. And then 30 minutes later, you're in the outworld. And then, like, Johnny Cage and Liu Kang are like, whoa, this place is fucked up. <laughs> yeah, this is wild. And then you're like, oh, can you fight something? Please, please just go fight something. And then they just go fight something. The Shang Tsung fight is also, it's fine, but it is underwhelming, I thought. Uh, yeah, I like that, uh, I told you that when we watched it, like, he does that ending thing right before he kills, uh, what's his fate? what's his name? Shao Tsung? Oh, yeah, uh, Shang Tsung. Shang Tsung, right before he kills him, like, he, there's like a pause right before the final punch where he punches him off the cliff into the spike pit. Yeah. And uh, uh, when I was a little kid, my cousins used to say, and this one's for killing his brother. <laughs> and then he would punch him off the thing into the spikes. I, that's the number one thing I remember about this movie as a that's kid. That's awesome. That's like, the, that's the coolest thing you can say when you're a kid. Like, just to be super into a movie. Well, because like, I think they understood what the punch meant. You yeah, know, it, no, it was it was for his brother. Literally for his brother. That's exactly if right. If you forget the movie's bad and you get into the movie, <laughs> you have to. You that's can a good understand way to that. You have to forget that the movie's bad in order to enjoy. The <laughs> and it's not so hard. Like there's, it's easy enough to forget that the movie's bad at times. I think like I mean, for me, the places where I forgot it were when like I could notice something about the movie and like almost pretend like it got. It had, like, a good idea about, like, Mortal Kombat backstory or something. Like, with Shang Tsung, like, where they were, like, where they were talking about him stealing everyone's souls and stuff. I was like, oh, that's why in the game he can turn into any character. Like, that was yeah, the big trick yes. of his character. It was like, oh, you could be fighting Scorpion for all you know, and then it could be Sub-Zero. Like, all the lore stuff is, like, really cool to kids who are into the games, which is probably a reason why everything's so focused on lore now because it makes kids go ape shit yeah i mean mortal kombat's also totally a cautionary tale of like the little things you think work in this the executives also saw what worked in it and now every movie is just that yeah basically it's, it's just like a million things of like oh did you wonder why sonic makes that sound when he spins well it's because he has like a special yo-yo <laughs> in his pocket and that like <laughs> It's because okay, he was thanks, struck by lightning when he was a kid. <laughs> his dad died by the same lightning strike, and he always remembers that. And makes this was for of my lightning. dad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like it's like that was the cool part, and also the part where I was watching where it's like, oh god, this is like this is a little too this hits a little too close to home of like where we're at in cinema right now. It's well. It's such a weird thing, because people were telling me, oh, it's, like, one of my favorite bad movies, and it's, like, 
I don't think it's that good of a bad movie. There's Mm-mm. parts of the movie that are just bad, like not good bad, like not entertaining how bad it is. But it's a good movie to it's a good party movie. It's a it's great a good, party movie. It's a good movie to put on in the background and drink and watch like and talk during the boring scenes. Well, and that was like that was the really good um that was the really good thing about like watching it with you the other night where it was like we just talked through those scenes. That's yeah, like, exactly. If I had to sit there like, and actually watch that stuff, I would have been so bored. It would have like, been awful. I, I had watched it the day before that, so like I knew what was going on in those scenes. But yeah, the, the, you don't really need to know what's going on. It just spends like 15 minutes explaining like obvious shit if like you're not five years old. Yeah, I, I think like it's the, the the problem with the movie as a bad movie is like if you if you're watching a movie that's like so good it's bad or whatever. Like you wanna you wanna have like stuff you can laugh at consistently, and then like you wouldn't laugh at the fight scenes. Like the fight scenes are cool, except for the slowed down parts. But then you kind of have to recognize like, well, that's just really stupid directing ruining something. That's just the nineties, and it's never just... fun to like. It's never fun to watch something get ruined. Like it's not fun to watch a movie and be like, oh, this was brilliant, but like someone went in and ruined it. Like, <laughs> yeah, and it's like. <sighs> He didn't learn his lesson either, because he made Resident Evil for all the Resident Evil movies, and the first Resident Evil movie is one of the like worst adaptions, like most disappointing things I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, Resident Evil One was the first rated R movie I ever saw. My Aren't they all like holograms or something? Like it's such a terrible idea, as I recall. It's, it, okay, so like. <sighs> The first Resident Evil game is just a haunted house with zombies in it. A bunch of cops get trapped in a big-ass mansion. And there's zombie dogs and zombies in it, and they got to make their way out, and they find out mysteries about the mansion or whatever. I feel like you the can f- watch a good gloss of this on creeltube.com. Oh, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> don't forget do that. that. Forget that. What you just said. Um, anyway. <laughs> the, uh, so, the first movie is like, they make it about an underground lab underneath the mansion and there's like all this corporate they basically just made a bunch of shit up using the lore rather than being like wow it's a game about a haunted house with zombies in it that's the easiest movie to make ever <laughs> like they yeah, just no, decided it's, it's like... to throw all of that in the garbage and then made this terrible movie that doesn't even feel like resident evil they have the chance uh, just to basically make Evil Dead, but with a with a um, a franchise tag, and it's like, man, that's going to print money. And like, but what if we made it about like a weird computer facility, it's like slapstick, like Evil Dead? But it's like, it's literally just classic gothic horror with yeah. zombies. It's just you could have just made a haunted house movie. And I always forget what... that Evil Dead is slapstick, like even the first one. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm watching Mortal Kombat and being like the best parts about this are him adapting the game the way the game is. Yeah, exactly, and, then, and like, and then I realized that he directed Resident Evil, the movies, which have nothing to do with the game. So I'm like, what the? F- this guy didn't learn his goddamn lesson or doesn't know what the good parts of his movies are. Like, it's so frustrating. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I still get mad about. How they just didn't make Resident Evil a haunted house movie. That's the simplest shit. Like, what the fuck? Who was producing that movie? Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. And I think, like, I don't know, like, this this movie and the Resident Evil movie and all those movies speak to, like, the cool potential of that era. But, like, also where it just goes completely wrong when it hits the studio. And they're like, well, 
no one's gonna like this garbage. Let's make it something cool and like yeah, we got to make it like a movie. It has to be like, techno and like, yeah, exactly. And it's like so weird to me. Like it's people like the games for a reason. You shouldn't try to change the aesthetic and tone of the game that you're basing it on. I haven't seen the Max Payne movie, but I'm too afraid to watch that. that oh yeah, I bet it's horrible. not very good. We should watch that for an episode. We should watch that one for an episode. Max yeah. Payne Two is my favorite game of all time. Well, I we think. should also play then Max Payne Two because I haven't oh, ever Max played Payne it. Max Payne Two rules. Um, but yeah, like I, I don't know, like it's if you look at the if you look at like the current moment in movies, the problem is that studios just focus group this stuff until it's only interesting because of like the the names that are said at various well, points in the movie and then your like mom's gotta your, your mom's gotta understand it now oh like, right exactly exactly parents have to understand i thought you were doing now. a joke about my mom and i was like i'm, no, no, I'm, I don't know. I'm struggling to understand this one i don't but... know jack shit about you. is your mom alive yeah yeah okay thank god that's uh, yeah one time, <laughs> one of the first things i ever said to my, like no. my best friend was i made a joke about his dad and uh, he had just moved to the district and he was uh my school district and he was like oh my dad died <laughs> i was like oh, oh that's geez. great <laughs> he didn't care which is why we're still friends but um but yeah like it no it's like you're absolutely right like your mom has to find some value in it and you have to find some value in it so basically it's just a bunch of like very low stakes narrative and the only high stakes are like, well, what names will be around after this movie is left? What names yeah, can I say and, still exist in here? And next now to that I actors? think about it, my parents hated Mortal Kombat. They, they thought <laughs> that movie was fucking terrible. And guess what? It made literally 500% of its budget back. Yeah. Like, yeah. what is what is the risk in not, is what is the risk in having like niche films where only a certain audience will enjoy them? All right. That's one thing. And I think, like, but that was also the time where it was, like, you could have a niche film because no one had any other opportunity to, like, there was no, there was nothing else, right? Like, Well, it you, only cost $18 million to make a movie. Yeah. Now it costs $300 million to make a movie to compete with all the other big, like, tentpole films of the year. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. And I think, like, the, the other thing is it think of how to how to say this like it, it's not it's not like the it's not like the movies these days are low stakes in terms of money or in terms of like the what's expected of them like every movie is expected to produce some sort of like sprawling universe uh every movie can't just be a blockbuster it has to be a blockbuster that does something that will define a studio for the next like you know decade or whatever like this is why there was like the universal monster uh universal monsters universe the dark universe or whatever like yeah the, and i mean like, it's it's very funny to think about that the dark universe but it's also like yeah that's all that move that's all that blockbusters are anymore is it it has to be something that will then produce six other movies that will make just as much money it can't Dude, i i can't figure out if i'm old or I'm right about that, though. I think. I mean, <laughs> like, I think. I think you might be both, and it may be me too. But like, we also grew up in an era, and like this was all the era in film before and TV before, where like if you, like this is distinct about our current moment in TV and film, where like, end games actually, like if you wanted something specific, right, or you were interested in something specific, you might only get one shot at at seeing or playing or experiencing that, like. 
if I want to watch a, a superhero movie in like 1997 or something like that, right? But like maybe before before the Amazing Spider-Man comes out, or but not no Amazing Spider-Man before just Spider-Man one comes out. Um, I have like I can watch the old Punisher movie with oh uh, god with Dolph Lundgren yeah with Dolph Lundgren I can oh, watch Jesus. the old Captain America movie uh I can watch the Superman movies and I can watch the Batman movies and that's it and it seems like a lot but like the, it's not really a, an embarrassment of riches because a lot of those movies weren't good um or like if I wanted like a weird uh if I wanted a, a superhero TV show. Superheroes are just an easy example, but you could take this with almost anything. But like if I wanted a superhero TV show, there's the Flash TV show and the sixties Batman show and some cartoons. And like now it's like, okay, um a studio because they know that niche stuff in a particular vein is going to be popular. You can like you can fund a what if movie. You could fund you could fund a a, a Green Arrow like seven season television show. Like you have so many options, and like you could take other niche stuff like like video games too. Where like you know you you sort of look at stuff that's inspired by video games, and it's like yeah, you can you can definitely get more movies and shows out of this. Like they're definitely wanting to do more with Doom. Obviously, uh, they're wanting to do more with you know all sorts of stuff and. I think, like, back in the day, it was, like, you got one shot at enjoying something like that. And so, like, even if it was crummy, it was, like, well, this is my crummy thing. The only thing so yeah. I mean, yeah, it. no, because I liked the Resident Evil movie when I saw it when I was 11 years old, because it's the only Resident Evil movie. Like, yeah, you had no other options. I mean, what else were you going to watch? There's a liquor in the movie and zombies and zombie dogs, just like the game. Yeah. Like, yeah, but it wasn't until I was older where I was just, like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? <laughs> Like, I, I know they're making idea. Netflix is making a Resident Evil TV series right now, and they're probably going to really? the same. Yeah, they're probably going to make the same goddamn mistakes that the last movie did. But then Just again, make like, it about a haunted house. That's why it, they'll never it. do it. They'll never do it because they're cowards. I think like like the, I, I saw I saw a, a like a trending thing on Twitter that was like, um, which I I read sometimes when I like. When I go to the search bar, it'll it'll pop those up, and sometimes I'll just read them to see what like, just I guess because I hate myself. Um, but like the the one was like, fans of The Witcher wonder why, um, like uh, ponder why Geralt wasn't um, wasn't more uh, rugged in the series, and like, I mean that's not a news story, but to our current moment, it is, and that is where it ends up being. It's just like. The the utmost critique you can give is like, well, why didn't they do a, uh, why didn't they do like a grizzled Gerald? Because everything else is going to be like, not paint by numbers, but like pretty expected. Like there are certain things that work in fantasy shows, they'll do those things. There are certain things that work in straight to streaming shows, they'll do those things. And so like the few things that you can actually critique are like, why wasn't his beard more rugged? Or why wasn't like, why didn't he have this kind of sword? And I think that'll be the same thing with Resident Evil. They'll be like the horror tropes that work, the short show that show tropes that work and people will be like, well, why, you know, why'd they do Jill and Barry instead of Chris and, uh, Jill? I mean, I think this breaks down why video games are such an amazing medium is that mm. every single person who plays a video game has a different interpretation. of it. Yeah. Like, like, uh, more so than movies. Most people get the same, like on the surface themes that movies have. So they all have the same, interpretation of a movie but uh, video games aren't based on themes it's based on game feel and mechanics 
and using your imagination to attach different parts of imagining things to different mechanics. So people have like different interpretations of movies, uh, movies, uh, games. So that's why I'm so mad at the Resident Evil movie because I have an interpretation <laughs> of the first game that probably other people don't have. Yeah, and I mean that might just be why that might be why like no one can seem to make a very good video game movie. Yeah, because it's it's such a video games are based on every single person having a different experience. Yeah. Nobody's if you think about it, no even in the earliest games, if you think of Super Mario Brothers, nobody's playing the exact same game as Super Mario Brothers. Like Right. You you can't take two videos of Super Mario Brothers playthroughs and line them up and Mario will be jumping the exact same positions and everything. Now that, that you said never... that, like people are just like that's the new challenge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You got to line it up. That's the new speed running challenge. <laughs> new Mario <laughs> challenge. Yeah. We're going to do exact same Mario's. But no, no, you're right. And like I think again, that's like one of the reasons that Mortal Kombat works when it does is that like the main thing in Mortal Kombat is being in those fights and being able to mess around with the fatalities and stuff and, like, how funny and weird the the whole concept of the game is and how, like, strange and alien it feels. That's why, like, the actual, like, weirdo fights in the middle of the movie work. Where it's like, oh, we're doing these weirdo fights. And all, all I think anyone could say at that point is, I understand that. I've played Mortal yeah, Kombat. Like, There's a bunch of weirdo fights. You're complimenting the Goro fight, and I'm, like, thinking now, like, what if there are scenes after that, rather than just going, you have to go to Outworld and save Sonya? Yeah. What, what if after that, it was just, like, your next opponent is Melina. She's yeah. She's very dangerous. She has a secret, and, like, halfway through the fight, she takes off her mask, and she has, like, huge teeth. Uh. Like, every scene should have just been that. Like, every every fight was just, like, there's some new challenge that arose, or some new... And, and pe- fans of the games would, like, know what their powers would be or whatever. But I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I just think that would be better. Uh, no, it would be so movie. much better. Like, it yeah. It would have, like, I feel like the thing that Mortal Kombat didn't do as a movie is, like, it's kind of, like, give in to the, like, what it, like, actually did well. Like, I, I feel like it wanted to be something different. It wanted to be sort of, like a standard mid-90s thriller. And, like... Well, it doesn't understand the game itself is cheesy as fuck. The game itself is cheesy. Yeah. It doesn't accept that fact. It's trying to make the game cool. It's like, no, it's kind of corny. Even back then, it was fucking corny. But it was cool because you could rip some dude's head off. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And and that's what's cool about it, where it's like, oh, there are all these weird characters, and, like, what's their their weird trick going to be? What's the weird part about, like... Jax, what's the weird part about Kano? Like, what's Kano's exactly. I do? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, what's Kano's I do? We never see that in the movie. He, he uses it's a laser eye in the games, but in the movie, that's never used. Yeah, like I think I think like the the only time the eyes brought up is the the initial thing where he's talking to Shang Tsung and he goes against him and Shang Tsung says, "Say it again, and you'll need a you'll need a guide dog for the. I'll take your other eye." And like the, the the instant question I had was like, does that mean that the laser eye is just like for show? I, like it's just it's so much worse. Like it's like no, just just put him in the ring and have Sonya Blade say, "That's the man who killed my partner." And he says like, "Well, I'm upgraded now." And he like shoots a laser at her. Yeah, that's that's so much better. I <sighs> mean, like that's the thing is, it sounds corny as fuck when you give him 
doing these ideas, but it, it would just embrace the corniness of the games and make it way better uh, right. without using CGI. Because nowadays, if you do that and embrace the corniness, everybody's just going to shoot really lazy scenes and then go like, oh, the CGI will like make it better afterwards or whatever. We'll add in the laser eye later. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not like I think the corniness on one level is like it's corny, but it's earnest. That the the Mortal Kombat games like it they're cheesy, but like they're trying for something. Whereas yeah. it's not like the kind of corniness you get in a lot of movies now, where it's like oh, it's corny because it's like the eighties or something. Yeah, <laughs> it's not it's Stranger just Things retro. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, there's something about I think in the end, like, and I'm not gonna be able to pin it down any better than that, but I think like there's something about Mortal Kombat that is different than movies being made today. And like, it is a bad movie. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, it's not a good movie or, you know, it's a mediocre movie. I'll say that. I'll say it's a, it's a perfectly mediocre movie for the time it was made. The CGI is laughable at this point. And like, if you can watch reptile without thinking it's some sort of like, I don't know, like Primus music video. Um, yeah. Good, good on you for being better at historicizing film than me. But like, you know, like the 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 movie itself like does stuff that I don't think, and I I don't have like a big strong stance on like what you know what cinema is today and like the threats against cinema or whatever. But like, I don't think you could make a movie like Mortal Kombat today, and I don't think it's because like a because like PC thugs or whatever. Like, I just don't think there's any space for like that kind of like aggressively mediocre movie with glimpses of like kind of interesting elements. I don't yeah, the, think that's the, a thing. The mid tier blockbuster is like dead. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you're only going to spend either 5 million or $300 million on a movie nowadays. Because yeah. they either go extremely indie or extremely like triple budget, triple a budget, whatever the hell. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I think so too. Cause it's like, I guess because of the problems we're having with the movie, too. Uh, every movie is just going to be like, we got to do it for the fans. <laughs> like, nowadays. Like, the movie like Mortal Kombat where somebody comes in and is like, oh, I'm going to interpret this, like, my way. Or, like, the Super Mario Brothers movie where those directors were like, we're going to interpret this universe our way. Yeah, or even just, like, we're going to make a lot of money off of this. Because it doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, look at look at the Last Jedi. I I haven't seen that movie, but everybody's mad at it for like not being Star Wars or some shit. Everyone's gonna be mad at everything. Yeah, that, no, yeah. You're, you're totally right. Like, and I haven't. I also haven't seen the Last Jedi, much to the chagrin of many people who both hate and love the Last Jedi. But the who gives a shit? Don't watch <laughs> yeah, no, it. Yeah, I agree. Um, but we're gonna get in trouble for that. People are gonna yell at us now. Spite them. <laughs> but. No, but like you're right. Like, and I think I think one of the problems with the the whole like do it for the fans thing is it's never actually do it for the fans. It's always do it to make some money. But you say do it for the fans, and then it's like it gets this cred of like oh they they care about us, they don't care about us or whatever. Whereas like when Mortal Kombat came out, I think it was clear that to everyone that no studio ever cared about the fans. Like it's like no one really cares what Mortal Kombat fans like about this movie or don't like about this movie. You just take what you can get from it. Yeah, I thought I would probably give the movie a four out of ten. Ah, didn't say the line. It was a bad movie. I yeah, I'd say I'd say four out of ten's right. It's just it's just under five. Like I don't think it's an average movie. I think it's bad, but 
I do think like if you could do like a super cut of the fight scenes somehow, yeah, that would be good. good. Yeah, that would give that like an eight out of ten. That's fun to watch. And they should hire Robin Chu. That's they, my review of the movie. They should just have an all Liu Kang uh, Mortal Kombat. Robin Chu uh, versus like I don't know eight or nine trained martial artists, and they can call they it should... Enter the Dragon Two. They should make a movie set in the 90s where Robin Chu just finishes filming Mortal Kombat and then a bunch of gangsters try to intimidate him and he gets trapped in a crazy adventure. That's a great idea. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Once Upon a Time in 1990s Hollywood. Yeah, that's my my movie idea. Alright, any producers listening to the show, I I think Creel is is onto something here and I think he'd he'd take your call. I don't want to presume. I think you'd take their call. I'll make the movie easily for $25 million. If you can give me and and your salary is only five of those $25 million. Yeah, my salary is at least $11 million. But that's because you're getting quality product. Uh, I don't know. At a classic Some, price. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be a movie. Anybody that has $11 million, just send it to me. Is anyone, can anyone let me hold $11 million? Yeah, I would take care of it. <laughs> I would I would water it every morning, don't worry. I'll just I'll put like one million of it into escrow and I'll build some money on it and I'll give you back even more than you gave me. I would fund a new Mortal Kombat movie with my <laughs> eleven million dollars. I really I, I know that you're lying and I'm the only I I hope you're lying. I don't think you should do that with your eleven million dollars. Yeah, I'd probably buy like a lot of ice cream or something. Oh man. Hell yeah. Well, Creel, thank you for being here. Thanks for doing this. We should do... Thanks for watching Mortal Kombat with me. <laughs> yeah, no, anytime. Let's watch Max Payne next. Yeah, let's do that next. That'll be good. Um, and it'll give me a reason to play Max Payne. Um, people can find you at MyCreel on Twitter. And um, uh, your YouTube channel, which you won't promote. Uh... This is CreelTube.com. This is a quality product. I come in there and I really give the fans what they want every time. Uh, pure gameplay, pure reviews. Um, gameplay every time, just constant gameplay. I guess I should like do the Creel. Hey, I'm Creel. Whatever. I think what's funny about about the Creel voice is Kid Creel has a particular voice, but whenever I hear you talk, it just sounds like Creel to me. Yeah, but less excited. Well, I just fake, that's fine. I just fake excitement for the Creel voice. That's basically the acting. That's yeah. I'm never excited about anything. Not even, not even. Well, I heard Creel come out when you talked about Robin Shue. Oh, that might be true. I got, I do get a little bit worked up about Robin Shue. Classic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, we'll have you back soon to talk about Max Payne then. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, man. Nice. Yeah, no, anytime. Thanks for coming up, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash nocartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various co-hosts um, and, and writers and artists. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to.